on April 26th, a final settlement was reached. And lo and behold, not, not even a week later, Tesla raised capital on May the 2nd or 3rd. So people say that Tesla Q Twitter was wrong about the can't raise, can't leave theory, but... Based on that aspect of the SEC settlement, maybe that was holding back their ability to raise capital. But clearly, that final settlement being entered did allow them to raise capital again. The Tesla Q podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended for and should not be used as financial, investment, or trading advice. Research associated with fiscal decisions should be conducted elsewhere. The host of the show possesses no license or credentials to warrant accepting advice based on what is heard on the Tesla Q podcast. Additionally, even though the host and guests may hold positions in companies discussed on the show, they don't have insights into the next time step of the simulation. Therefore, do not make any financial decisions based on the contents of this podcast. Hello and welcome to episode number 52 of the Tesla Q podcast. There are 52 weeks in a year and it's been almost exactly one year since I started the podcast. So happy one year anniversary to all the listeners out there. If you're not yet a contributor to the podcast and you'd like to become one, you can go to patreon.com slash Tesla Q podcast and sign up to be a monthly contributor. There is occasionally some content that's available only to contributors, so feel free to join up there if you'd like. With this being the 52nd episode and having been around for a year, that means that we've averaged right at one episode per week. So going forward, that's going to be my target for how often new episodes get put out. So one per week. That's the the sequence that Tesla Charts is doing with his Chartcast podcast. So he's he's put out three episodes so far. If you haven't listened yet, I highly recommend it. Uh, the next one is going to be episode number four, which is going to be part two of the Aaron Greenspan interview. So I highly recommend that. As far as I know, he's the only the the second podcast that is related to Tesla from not the positive side. Uh, I actually have been watching some of the third row tesla podcast earlier this evening to to see kind of what the other side of the trade is doing and they they have a, a pretty decent idea going but i think trying to have seven or eight different people on one podcast episode is not quite conducive to people getting airtime there's a few times where uh galileo russell looked a little bored sitting there or, and viv as well that's just a lot of people to try to squeeze into an hour podcast. I mean, one interview, an interview with one person can take two hours or more if it's a good guest, like like Aaron Greenspan on the Chartcast. It's a two-part interview for that uh, with the Luis Carruthers interview, which was episode two of the Chartcast. I felt like that was far too short. So seven people in an hour. There's a lot of people that are not going to get sufficient airtime for it to be worth their time, in my opinion. But that's that's just me rambling. So with this 52nd episode, I thought it would be good to go back and look at where, where we've been over the last year and uh, just revisit some of the things that have happened in the past in the, the land of Tesla Q. I think looking at some, some past events with uh, what we know today can add some extra perspective. So rather than going back only one year, I'm going to go back to the summer of 2018 and summarize some of the, the main events that occurred. Obviously, we had the, the Martin Trip incident, which if you haven't yet, I highly recommend watching the 30, 34, 36 minute long video 
of Martin Tripp when the police officers uh, encountered him after the false threat had been called in, suggesting that he was armed and, and dangerous, which was completely false. Uh, I highly re- recommend watching that. You can see how distraught Martin Tripp was. Big shout out to Drew Harwell of the Washington Post for contacting Martin Tripp and letting him know that that false claim had been called in so that he knew what he needed to do to help keep himself safe uh, in case the, the officers might have had the wrong idea and, and actually thought that he was dangerous when he was not, in fact, dangerous. So go watch that. Uh, that video was filmed, I think, on June 20th. I may not have the date exactly right, but... It was right around June 20th of 2018. Uh, that whole incident, I think, is what kicked Elon Musk off on his multi-month-long uh, just craziness of the summer of 2018, which also included the the attempt to inject himself into the, the Thai cave rescue. It involved the declaration that they had finally hit 5,000 Model 3s produced per week at the, the Fremont factory, which may or may not have spilled into July of 2018, but that's beside the point. Also beside the point is the fact that the first time quality was approximately 14% as of that uh, 3 a.m. on July 1st, 2018 time stamp. So that happened. Uh, Obviously, July 15th, 2018 was the infamous tweet where... Elon Musk referred to someone as a pedo guy, but he didn't mention his name, which ultimately was the reasoning for the not liable verdict that Elon Musk won on December 6th, 2019. So that was July 15th. July 23rd, um, well, we'll go back to July 16th, was the date that Galileo Russell and Montana Skeptic had a debate on the QTR podcast, and... July 23rd was the day that Elon Musk contacted Montana Skeptic's boss and said, hey, uh, this guy needs to stop writing articles. And for over a year, Montana did stop writing articles on Seeking Alpha and stopped tweeting as Montana Skeptic. But he has recently returned. If you're not uh, not following him after his return yet, uh, you're behind on things and you should get on that in August of 2018, August 7th was the $420 per share funding secured tweet. August 15th or 16th was when the New York Times uh, columnist, reporter, journalist, whatever title you want to give him, met with Jeffrey Epstein at Epstein's home in the Upper East Side of New York, 70-something Street, I think, uh, just a couple block, maybe not even a full block east of Central Park. Uh, And the reason that he went to talk to him was to talk about Tesla matters. So we still don't know the full extent of that. That's that's yet to be fully, fully revealed. I imagine that at some point we will find out more information about that. We haven't yet. August 16th into the Friday, the 17th of 2018 is when the New York Times posted an article which was co-written by that that journalist and three others that uh, talked about Elon Musk and how he was so tired and worn down and works so many hours, et cetera, et cetera. Later that weekend, Ariana Huffington tweeted that 
working hundreds of hours per week is unhealthy. No kidding. Uh, <laughs> moving forward to September 7th, 2018. Uh, actually, September 6th is when Elon Musk was on the Joe Rogan podcast and infamously took a, a puff of a, a marijuana cigarette, which caused SpaceX to be given $5 million from NASA to explore the uh, possible drug usage at SpaceX or to uh, educate the employees that they shouldn't do drugs or something or other because their CEO took a puff of a cigarette on this podcast. Uh, same day or the very next morning, September 7th, 2018, is when the chief accounting officer, Dave Morton, resigned after only being on the job for about a month think he started maybe the day or a couple days before Elon made the funding secured tweet. So he was only there about a month. I think he went to work for a Naplin, which had a very successful IPO. So he, he made a lot of money with that move. So it was probably a good professional move for him. Uh, it should be noted that a Naplin has Bailey Gifford as a large investor. Bailey Gifford, of course, is also the largest institutional investor uh, in Tesla. They're I think listed as number two behind Elon Musk as far as the percentage ownership of Tesla shares. Shortly after that, in uh, I forget the exact day, but it was late September 2018, is when the SEC was seeking some sanctions against Elon Musk because of his tweet. Uh, I think Elon was going to take their settlement, and then at the last minute he decided not to, so they were like, okay. Well, we are going to request an officer and director ban and all this other stuff. And that spooked the market, uh, spooked Elon. And on that Saturday, which I think was uh, about the 28th or 29th of September 2018, Elon decided, okay, I'll take your settlement. And he ultimately paid $20 million from his own pocket. And Tesla also paid $20 million in fines to the SEC to settle that. Of course, later he was found to be in contempt of that, and there was the whole court thing with that. I'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, Monday, October 22nd, is when Citron switched from being short to announcing that they were long Tesla. The Immaculate Quarter happened. Citron probably made tons of money with some call options that they bought. Uh, later that same day, after Citron had announced that they had gone long, Tesla announced that they were pulling their uh, quarterly financial announcement forward. Everyone had thought that it was going to be on Wednesday, the 31st of October, 2018, Halloween. Tesla Charts had his 30 charts for 30 minutes set up as Chartaween. Everyone thought it was going to be on the 31st, but Tesla pulled it forward to the 24th. They announced... Uh, profit that quarter share price skyrocketed I'm, I'm sure all listeners probably remember that going forward to december of 2018 on monday the 17th of december 2018 not long before the market closed the article was published at 3:26 p.m in the wall street journal it was the article that mentioned that the boring company had been provided some resources from spacex without the permission of SpaceX's investors. So retroactively, the SpaceX investors were granted an equity stake in the boring company. And of course, the very next day, the 18th of December is when the 
boring tunnel reveal occurred. It was also the same day that Elon Musk mortgaged five separate properties uh, with Morgan Stanley. It's a key, key factor or key player in the whole thing. Um, on New Year or uh, Christmas Eve of 2018, of course, the the market as a whole plunged and the plunge protection team came in and helped to raise market prices of lots of different equities, not just Tesla. On So Tesla moved up from there to the 17th of January, 2019. Actually, I'll go back a week before that, almost a week before that. The 11th of January, 2019, SpaceX had some layoffs that were announced. January 17th, 2019, um, after the market closed, the Saudi Arabian Sovereign Wealth Fund somehow, I, I don't know how they had such perfect timing, but they decided after the market closed that day to hedge their long position in Tesla. And then lo and behold, that very night, actually early in the morning on Friday, the 18th of January, 2019, Tesla announced that they were laying off about 7% of their workforce. So that caused a pretty substantial share price drop of about $45 from the closing price on Thursday, the 17th of January, 2019 to the closing price on Friday, the 18th of January, 2019. That was actually my most lucky short-term Tesla options play. Lucky me caused me to enter future positions after that, hoping to to catch lightning in a bottle again, unsuccessfully, but uh, big share price drop. But then it recovered some after that and fell some more. And then on the uh, 28th of February, 2019, of course, we had the announcement that Tesla was going to finally have the short range Model 3 available for sale at $35,000, which was the long anticipated price. Of course, the $35,000 price did not last long. And in conjunction with that announcement, they announced that they were going to close all of their stores to be able to mitigate the uh, the lack of, or the, the reduction in margin from offering the $35,000 Model 3. It's like, okay, we have to save some money somewhere, so we're going to close our stores. But then, on about the 10th or 11th of March, in the Wall Street Journal, of course, because that's where, uh, that's where messages get sent in, in the news realm, there were quotes from Taubman, which is the the CEO of a uh, one of the larger retail owners who leases properties to companies. And they reminded Tesla politely that Tesla had about a billion dollars or more of lease obligations that they wouldn't be able to just get out of by closing their stores. So on March 11th, 2019, Tesla reversed that decision and decided, okay, we're actually going to keep our stores open. And in conjunction with that, Right around the same time, I think it was on about the 9th or 10th of March, Elon tweeted that the Model Y reveal event was going to be occurring on the 14th of March, 2019. And, of course, if you th- think back to that reveal, the Model Y was was not all that impressive, and it looked almost identical to the Model 3. The examples that we've seen in the wild being tested 
still look almost exactly like the Model 3. Based on estimates from looking at the outside of the vehicle, it appears that there's no way that they could fit a third row that could fit adult human beings taller than, say, five foot five in the in the third row, which third row Tesla, of course, I mentioned earlier, is the name of a, a pro Tesla podcast that has way too many people on it, but otherwise could be a decent podcast. But there's no way they could fit a third row of adult human beings in the backseat of that vehicle. So it's basically a slightly taller Model 3. So it's hard to hard to imagine how they're going to have very many incremental additional vehicle deliveries from the Model Y. It seems more like it's likely to cannibalize the Model 3, but I guess we'll we'll see about that. But similar to the uh, the share price declining after the standard range Model 3 announcement on the 28th of February. The share price dropped again two weeks later on the 14th of February or March, right after the 14th of March. Similar to the recent product announcement, the Cybertruck, the share price dropped after that announcement with the wonderful unbreakable glass that designer Franz Holzhoffen, whatever his last name is, his excellent, excellent throwing arm shattered the glass. But it didn't it didn't go through, as Elon pointed out. So last three product reveals, Tesla share prices sold off immediately following. After the Model Y reveal on the 14th of March, there was the quarter one deliveries release on the 3rd of April, which also caused the share price to decline because Tesla's deliveries in quarter one of 2019 were quite low. Uh, There were the. Many, many people that called it an air pocket of demand. Uh, a lot of people pointed out that it was a, a seasonality-driven thing. We're about to, to find out if it is a seasonality thing yet again for quarter one of 2020. Based on what I looked at just last night on the Troy Tesla-like tracker, it looks like there's not going to be a huge amount of deliveries in the U.S. in quarter one of 2020. I believe there were, since December 10th, there were not very many, I think it was like 27 configurations since the 10th of December in the tracker. After there had been something like 800 in October and 300 something in November and like 27 since December 10th. So there were no no scheduled deliveries for the year 2020 when I looked at the tracker last night. There was an electric article earlier today that mentioned that some deliveries were going to spill into 2020. I don't think I mentioned yet, but this first part of the episode, I am recording on the 30th of December, 2019. As I mentioned, quarter one, 2019 deliveries caused the share price to decline. Also, uh, shortly after that, there was a little bit of a capital raise on May 2nd or 3rd of 2019. Uh, I think Tesla ultimately netted about $2.4 billion from that capital raise. It was mostly from convertible bonds and a little bit from selling shares at $243 per share, which is a little bit different than the recent share price, if you've been paying attention. Uh, Shortly after that, there was a leaked email from Elon on the 17th of May, where he mentioned that they had about 10 months of cash if they didn't start to save their cash a lot. Uh, 
that email actually came out, uh, I think, in an electric article on the 16th of May, 2019, at 5.40 p.m. So 10 months after that would be mid-March 2020. So I guess we'll see if Elon successfully motivated his team to conserve cash subsequent to that call. Uh, I think based partially on that email, the very next week on May 22nd, 2019, there was a, uh, a private call with Morgan Stanley and Adam Jonas that ultimately became public thanks to uh, someone recording it and transcribing it. And that was uh, a cross-asset call, so uh, bond investors and equity investors. And during that call, Adam Jonas was very transparent that uh, the Solar City acquisition had been a bailout and that Tesla did not seem to be in very good shape. Shortly after that, on June the 3rd, 2019, I interviewed Montana Skeptic for the second time on the Tesla Q podcast. And Tesla's shares were below $180 per share. Uh, Professor Damadoran, the valuation guru at the at New York University, put out a blog post that very same day where he mentioned that he had put in a buy order for Tesla at $180 per share. And Professor Damadoran has done very well with that purchase. So I don't know if he's sold yet. Uh, maybe something to look into in the, the next few days or so, but... Uh, Congratulations, Professor Domadoran. You you did well. Uh, I guess looking at valuations rationally can can work sometimes, uh, even if you may have to have some rosy assumptions. Going back to Adam Jonas, I don't know if he had the ten dollar Tesla bear case before May twenty first, but as of May twenty first, he had the ten dollar bear case. When that came out on the twenty first of of May twenty nineteen, that got all the headlines more recently when he updated the bull case from I think 450 to 500 dollars that case got all the headlines the base case has remained 250 dollars per share so Jonas has three price targets every other analyst out there has one so that's that's a little bit of a different dynamic for for them one thing that I've been saying to a lot of Tesla Q people is that Adam Jonas actually seems to have nailed this almost to a T uh, with his $500 bull case call suggesting that it could get to that level but would likely drop from that and he's got that $10 bear case out there that could come to fruition at some point particularly if there's a some kind of a full self-driving autopilot thing that happens in the near future so not saying that I expect anything to happen because I don't but it's an it's a very remote possibility. July 3rd, 2019, Tesla had their quarter two deliveries announcement of 95,200 vehicles, which was an all-time record, which was subsequently broken for quarter three by about 1,800 vehicles. And as of the close on July 24th, just before they announced their quarter two earnings, the share price was about 262.50. Quarter two earnings had a loss similar similar to quarter one. Quarter one's loss was larger than quarter two's, but quarter two also had a loss, so the, the share price dropped from the level it was on the 24th of July to the 25th of July. 
All right, so I just talked about July 2018 a little bit. The first part of this, as I mentioned earlier, I was recording on the 30th of December 2019. It is now the 1st of January 2020, and I'm going to finish out this episode number 52. I'm going to go back a little bit. There's a few things that I missed in February of 2019. On the 19th of February was when Elon Musk tweeted about 500,000 vehicles this year. He later corrected himself and said that that was a rate, not a total. The very next morning was when Dane Butswinkas left as the general counsel on February 20th, 2019. Uh, The very next week, on about the 25th or so of February, might have been the 26th, is when the SEC announced that they were finding him in contempt of his settlement. An interesting note about Dane Butswinkas' tenure as the general counsel of Tesla. He started on the 7th of December... 2018 and ironically enough his successor Jonathan Chang as general counsel left on December 6th 2019 so almost a year to the day after but started as general counsel Jonathan Chang left as general counsel so they had three separate people in that role in just more than a year uh, before but was Todd Marin, who had been Elon Musk's divorce lawyer, if I'm not mistaken, and then morphed into the general counsel of Tesla. So as as I mentioned, February 26th or so is when the SEC announced that they were finding Musk in contempt of the settlement. Ultimately, that went to court, and on April 26th, a final settlement was reached. And lo and behold, not, not even a week later, Tesla raised capital on May the 2nd or 3rd. So people people say that Tesla Q Twitter was wrong about the can't raise, can't leave theory, but based on that aspect of the SEC settlement, maybe that was holding back their ability to raise capital. But clearly, that final settlement being entered did allow them to raise capital again. As of right now, there doesn't seem to be anything that's hindering their ability to raise capital. So as of now, it looks like they can raise capital. So uh, as I mentioned, the first part of the episode I recorded two days ago, uh, what I was using for that was a stock price graph from uh, for about a year from like July 2018 through July 2019. So I'll, I'll add that to the show notes once I publish this um, and now I'm just going to start going through some of my prior outlines. Uh, not really any particular plan, but just going to look back at some of the, the things that I missed covering in the early part of this episode. So on January 7th, I think is when I put together the outline for episode six of the podcast. Around that time, the China Gigafactory had just broken ground. So that was a a big event that is still a big event as they just delivered the first vehicles that were at least partially put together there at that factory. There was the weekend drama with Grimes actually flying to China with Elon Musk back in early January. Uh, it seemed to be a kind of a last minute decision for her to join him there, possibly because of uh, Azalea Banks's social media actions and everything. There was a Shorty Ground Force 
Shorty Ground Force Operation snapshot uh, that was done at the very beginning of quarter one, 2019, where inventory was counted in different lots and then summed together. Uh, I'm not sure that the Shorty Ground Force on Twitter is going to be doing a similar thing for, for quarter one, 2020. Uh, I imagine there are still going to be people that are checking lots, but I don't, I don't know that that information is going to be shared for the whole world. And so we'll see about that. Uh, there was still a question back in January of whether the uh, Model 3 had been homologated in Europe. Uh, another thing, Fred Lambert reported about a fleet of Teslas that went to a rental car company in Norway. So that was about a year ago. Not any big deal. Nothing else all that interesting from the Episode 6 outline. From episode 16, which was uh, around February 10th of 2019, uh, apparently I recorded this in my mother's basement, according to the notes here. Uh, what else interesting happened? Oh yeah, February 4th was the, the announcement of the Maxwell acquisition, which we haven't heard anything about recently. Uh, maybe we will at the Battery Investor Day that is supposedly coming up in the first quarter sometime. There was the local Buffalo story about the factory there from Dan Telvok and how they apparently had nowhere close to the number of employees that they were required to have as part of their agreement with New York State prior to the initial amendments, at least. As far as I know, they probably aren't very close to meeting their required number of employees as of, I think, sometime in April. So... Perhaps they will have to pay a $41.2 million fine associated with that. We'll, we'll find out more about that. I'm sure Sure, Dan Telvok and David Robinson will stay on top of that story. Back in February was when TeslaQ.org launched. So if you haven't, haven't visited the website, uh, you can go there, check it out. I, if I'm not mistaken, there's been some, some new things added to it or will be some new things added to it in the very near future. There was a, a video that, that showed up on, I forget if it was on YouTube or Twitter or something, but it had, it, it showed a Tesla's odometer and it rolled back. That was pretty odd. That, that was back in February of 2019. Uh, there, there was the $731 net gain from Linda Rice Johnson exercising some options at a $320 strike price. Uh, if she'd held on to those until more recently, she could have made a whole lot more money than the $731 that she made from the $0.43 cents between the $320 sale price and $319.57 strike price. Uh, so she, she messed up there, I guess. There was an article in the LA Times from Michael Hiltzik around that time about Tesla. Uh, he has won a Pulitzer Prize in the past. I have that here in my notes. This was also the weekend where the information about the NHTSA data that had been used to many times over by Tesla claiming that autopilot was 40% safer than humans or something. Uh, that came out on the 8th of February. So I actually saw that get linked again today, or an article about that 
get linked today. There's a, a number of, of different things that the NHTSA could be looking at in regards to Tesla. Another item from February. This is this was from episode 21 notes that I've got here. <laughs> Charlie Munger had his comment about Elon Musk and said that he'd rather have uh, somebody with a 120 IQ or somebody that thinks they have a, a 120 IQ, but it's actually 130 rather than uh, somebody whose IQ is 150 who thinks it's 170. And he referred specifically to Elon Musk when he made that comment. On February 20th, apparently was the first time that, that Plainsight posted the deposition schedule for the Solar City related lawsuits. Those are still ongoing, of course. Uh, there was a lot more information that came out in September and again in maybe in October and November about that lawsuit, uh, including those depositions, which are, are not a good look for Elon Musk and the other directors of Tesla. But we'll see what happens with that suit. I think I think there's a date, a trial date, maybe of April, thereabouts. Don't quote me on that, but that's that's what I seem to remember. On February 22nd, uh, it was pointed out that the Solar City term loan, which I think had been 182 million dollars, had been moved back. It was originally due in December of 2018. Then it got pushed back to January 2019. Then it got pushed back to April of 2019. Then it got pushed back to June of 2019. Then it got pushed back to December of 2019. And I'm not sure if they've actually paid that off yet or not, but uh, it, it had been $182 million. It was subsequently down to like 161 or 162 as of the latest 10Q. So with their claimed $5.4 billion cash balance, not exactly sure why they don't just go ahead and, and pay that term loan off. But... As, as far as I know, they still hadn't paid it off, but it was due last month, December 2019. So should find out more about that in the 10K coming out at the beginning of February. There was a response the same day in the Unsworth trial uh, about Musk's lawyer's motion to, to dismiss. Obviously, we, we now know that Elon Musk was found not liable in that case. In, at trial, although he clearly did defame Fern Unsworth, but that's beside the point. Ah, February 24th. Uh, how could I forget this? There was the, the crash in Davie, Florida that uh, involved Dr. Omar Awan, who, it, from, from a few pieces of evidence, it looked like it possibly involved a wompy wheel and then it clearly involved a fire and the inability to open the door. So that was that was a very unfortunate accident. And even more unfortunate is the fact that the, the eyewitnesses apparently said that uh, they were trying to open the door. And they could tell that he was still alive after the crash, but they weren't, weren't able to open the door. And there is a wrongful death suit that's been filed in that case. Uh, I don't know if we'll ever, ever find out the results of that as it could very well end in a settlement and non-disclosure agreements as as most of the cases involving Tesla seem to do. I see here in my notes that on February 25th of 2019, there were some confidential treatment orders granted that were filed on Tesla's investor relations page. And those were related to their agreements with Panasonic. Ironically enough, just 
earlier this week, same type of thing. Uh, there were three different exhibits, uh, one from Tesla's S1 filing, which is their IPO documentation, and then two different exhibits from 10Ks for the year 2011 and 2013. And those all, all three of those exhibits were related to their supply agreements with Panasonic. So those confidential treatment orders were granted through June of 2021. So they included uh, some pricing schedules through 2015. Uh, so that was four or five years ago now. But Tesla wants to keep them confidential through 2021 at least, probably beyond that. Uh, they'll probably ask for another extension at some point. So uh, nothing of of any major note, but just a, a little little tidbit and funny to see as I look back through my notes. And since I've started going through notes from prior podcasts, I see that there are many, many, many things to cover. And this episode's already exceeding 35 minutes long. So I don't think I'm going to get all the way back to the present day with this episode. But I have mentioned a number of different things from the past that are part of why Tesla Q exists as an entity. So there's not there's not a single reason that Tesla Q exists, but there are there are many and there are many things that have already passed such as the the verdict in the Vernonsworth defamation trial which Elon won that uh the SEC settlement is in the past. Uh, Elon did have to step down as chairman of Tesla, and he did pay $20 million, and Tesla had to pay $20 million as part of that settlement. But the subsequent uh, finding him in contempt didn't didn't really add anything additional to that settlement. It, it merely clarified it. Uh, so that's, that's in the past. And... As far as I know, Tesla does not currently have a general counsel. So the person who's supposed to help keep corporate governance in check and make sure that illegal things don't happen, uh, that role is, is not currently filled as far as I know. Uh, so we'll, we'll see what happens. But uh, as I said, I'm recording this on January 1st, 2020. So it's very possible that either tomorrow if not tomorrow, definitely by Friday, the quarter four 2019 results will be out uh, delivery-wise, not not financial-wise. So that's something to look forward to, to hearing. And seems that from from my perspective, the seems that the current expectations priced in would be for somewhere in the range of 105 or 6,000 deliveries to about 108,000 deliveries. So a number below that range, I think the market would see as being bad news and cause the share price to drop. Above that range, by just a little bit, and maybe the share price would go up a little bit. But I think it might take a a beat of about a hundred ten thousand deliveries for the market to actually see that as positive in comparison to the current share price. So that's something to be on the lookout for. Uh, I saw that uh, Tesla Charts has dropped episode number four of the Chartcast as of today, so I plan to listen to that before tomorrow's over, at least. Uh, and that's in that's part two of the interview with Aaron Greenspan, where they get into a lot more detail about Tesla specifically, and not just Aaron's background with 
how Plain Sight got started and everything, but uh, that'll be something to listen to. And as I said earlier, I do plan to do about an episode per week. I'm not going to guarantee that every single week we'll have an episode, and I'm not going to guarantee that I may not put three episodes out some weeks if, if news warrants it. But the podcast is going to continue. Looks like Tesla Charts is mostly going to be doing interviews with the chart cast, either interviews or maybe at some point it'll just be him and Georgia Orwell talking about Tesla. I, I don't know, but I will still do some interviews and some episodes like this where I just talk into the microphone and get stuff out of my brain and out there into the ether. But uh, for episode 53, I don't know exactly what I'll do yet. I may continue through these notes of uh, some some of the Tesla Q history just to remind us of, of why we're here and some of the things that have happened and uh, think back to how that impacted the share price or the, the overall narrative of the story. Another, another possibility for episode 53 would be for me to talk about some of these different issues that the NHTSA should be looking into right now. Uh, there's been a lot of talk on Twitter. I won't get into that here right now because sounds like episode five of the chart cast is going to get into that a little bit uh, with one particular issue so if i do do an episode relating to that i'll probably talk about some of the other issues besides that particular one but we'll see no guarantees of what the topic will be but there will be an episode 53 of the tesla q podcast uh, if you would like to be a contributor to the podcast you can go to patreon.com slash tesla q podcast and if you haven't already bought some shorty merchandise, you can go to evacuationboy.com and find some coffee mugs and such there. And with that, we're going to call this episode number 52 of the Tesla Q podcast. Thanks for listening over the past year and keep on listening. Thanks. Bye-bye. <laughs>